In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, how many of you here today, and, and you can react to this, you can raise your hand, how many of you here today make sure at the end of the day, maybe as you're winding down for the night when you get home from work, how many of you make sure that your phone is not on silent so that you can be sure to hear all of the calls from the telemarketers at the end of the day? Any of you here today? <laughs> Or how many of you here today are just like you have a spot by the door where you sit, a special chair so that you can see the, the salesman coming to sell you a new roof or seal coating on the driveway, like you cannot just wait for them to come knocking. Any of you? No? Or how many of you have, have bosses that you would just love if they showed up at like two in the morning giving you paperwork to do at your house? Any of you? No? Uh, well, I, I say that because I, I think that's how some of you are going to feel today. <laughs> Because today, this morning, we're talking about money. And I know that you, you come to church, many of you, to get away from thinking and talking, worrying, stressing over money, right? Uh, money is, is one of those things that when a preacher like me starts talking, our eyes roll back and we think, I just had to come this Sunday, didn't I? Um, it's not our, our favorite topic. But I, I do think it is an important topic for us to discuss. And I think it's important for us to talk about because, quite simply, Jesus talked about it. In fact, you might have heard, and I, I know it to be true because people much smarter than me and w- with much more free time than I have, have gone through the teachings of Jesus and they've taken a look at everything that he had to say, all the different topics of discussion. What they've found is that more than any other single topic, Jesus preached about money. In fact, if you were to take everything that he said, all the stories he told and illustrations he gave, metaphors he used, uh, what you would see is that somewhere around 20 to 25% of everything he said in one way, shape, form, or another involved money. Uh, I think Jesus recognized that money is a big part of our lives. It's something that we do worry about, stress about, feel guilty over when we click buy now on Amazon for the 10th time this week and the ninth thing that we didn't need. Jesus knew that we would come to church with all of these feelings and, and he, he had something to say to us. And so this morning, we're going to take some time to listen. Uh, having said that, I do want to give one, uh, one last disclaimer, and, and that is uh, by saying this. Uh, I am talking about money today as, as we listen to God's word, not because I or because any of us here at Living Christ want something from you. That's not what today is about. Uh, today is not just a guilt trip so that we have a few more dollars in the plate than usual. It's not because we want something from you, but because, in fact, we want something for you. Uh, those of you who are in Bible study, we heard this, this proverb from Jesus himself who once said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're going to talk about money and giving and finances today because we know that, that from Jesus himself we have this promise that there is a blessing that we get even as we give. And so we're talking today, we're having this discussion not because I want something from you, but because we want something for you. And, and if you're a visitor here today, I think the other members will, will vouch for me by saying this is not something we talk about every week. So if you came here today, walked into the door, don't, please don't think this is something we, we harp on all of the time, but it, it is a conversation from time to time that needs to happen. As we begin the discussion and as we, if we were to look at all of what Jesus had to say about money, we would see a lot, obviously, as you can imagine, 25% of, of what he spoke about. But if we could try to distill all the different teachings of Jesus about money, I think we would come up with two simple truths as we hear them in the scriptures as it applies to money. And, and the first thing that we would hear in the scriptures about money is that greed is bad. 
Jesus is often preaching against greed. Now, I know that sounds very elementary, probably obvious, but I think it needs to be said. We, we live in a world, in a society today that, that values greed, right? Wasn't it Gordon Gecko in Wall Street that said greed is good, right? And, and while we know that that's not true, it is all around us. That way of thinking surrounds us. And, and so I think we just need to be ri- reminded of that over and over again. Jesus says greed is not good. He says that it's bad. And, and, and I think that needs to be said in part be, because of this. As I, as I thought about it this week, uh, I began to think about all, all my time working in churches with youth and, and now as a pastor. I, I thought about all the, the sins that I've heard confessed uh, all of the Bible studies I've been in, and, and as we've talked about our different struggles in those Bible studies in small groups, and it occurred to me this week that I have never once heard someone confess to the sin of materialism or greed to me. I've heard a lot of things, but that's not one of them. And then I thought about my own prayer life, uh, and I felt convicted because I thought to myself, in my own confessions to God, that is something that I don't often confess either, greed, materialism. And so I, I think this is just a reminder Jesus says over and over again, be watchful, mindful of your life. Greed is bad. That's the first truth that we could distill from everything that the Bible says about money. The the second truth that we would hear is that while he preaches against greed, he he very often preaches for generosity. God, as you can imagine, wants us to be generous people, that, that he has been generous with us and he wants us to be generous to the world. Over and over and over again, Jesus is calling us to a greater and greater generosity. And and here's what I think we're going to see and how we're going to spend the rest of our time. I think we would see that, that as we reflect God's generosity, as we give generously, that three things happen to us. Uh, the first thing that happens when we give generously from what we have first been given is we, we gain the heart of God. As we give our acts of generosity, through that, God uses us to turn and shape and mold our hearts, that through giving, we gain the heart of God. And, and we heard a little bit about that in our reading for today from Matthew chapter 6. These were the words of Jesus that you already heard. But he said uh, to his disciples, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. This is where it gets interesting, to me at least anyway. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that was interesting to me. It struck me as odd because that final line, I thought Jesus would have reversed that, right? Jesus says where your treasure is is where your heart will end up, not the other way around, which is what I would have expected him to say. I would have thought Jesus would say wherever your heart is is where your money will end up, right? So if you love God, you'll give money to God or if you love your spouse, you'll spend money on your spouse or if you're like me and you love coffee, you'll spend money on coffee, but that's not what Jesus says. He says where you put your money, the things that you make your treasure, how you give, that's where your heart will end up. In a sense, what Jesus is saying is that through that hard, difficult, sacrificial act of giving through our generosity, which is often painful, right, to, to, to see those dollars go away, he says through that act, he will change our heart to make our hearts more like Jesus. And that to me, again, seemed backward. It might seem contradictory, but as I think about all of the, the very generous people I've gotten to meet and all the different churches I've been a part of, as, as I've talked to them and listened to them, I have found that to be true. That some of the most generous people I know didn't start out that way, right? At, at first, their giving was difficult. It caused tension. They were worried. How am I going to make ends meet? They, there was conflict between spouses. How much is, is too much? And yet, as they continued that act of giving, God worked on their hearts, and, and, and then, and only over time, did their generous become this spontaneous, joyful act of the heart. 
And so sometimes it is through that intentional, difficult, painful act of handing over the money, through that generosity, that God begins to change us and mold us to make our hearts more like his. And which one of us wouldn't want a heart that's more like Jesus? So that's the first thing that happens when we are generous with what we have been given. The second thing that happens when we give generously from what Christ has blessed us with is that we learn to trust in Jesus. Uh, Now, I've heard it said when it comes to money that there are two kinds of people. There are spenders and then there are savers, right? Spenders are the people who, when they find the $5 bill on the ground or, or they get the the, the tax return in, in the mail, and they're, they're going to get a surplus. The government's giving them back $500. Spenders are the ones who immediately think of all the things they can buy, right? The things that weren't even on their radar, but now it's like new shoes are coming my way. I'm going to get the new phone, down payment for the car, right? Those are the spenders. Anyone here care to admit that you are a spender? I'll admit it, right? I'm working on it, but I am a spender. That's my initial reaction. I've come a long way, but it's who I am. And then there are the savers, right? They find the money on the ground or they're getting the money back from the taxes and their first thought is, I got to put this away. I got retirement coming, kids, college education, right? Any savers here today? All right, wonderful. Uh, Here's the thing about giving generously though. Whether you're a spender or a saver, the act of giving will teach you to trust in Jesus because Here's what I'll say to the spenders like me. Uh, When you give generously, which means you might not have the new pair of shoes or the newest car or whatever it is, that act will teach you to trust in God that that he will give you what he wants you to have, not what you want to (laughs) have, right? Giving generously to you spenders will force you to trust that God gets to set your standard of living and that everything will be okay, (laughs) But but the same goes to the savers. If you're a saver, God, through your act of generosity, will teach you to trust in him, that, that, that everything in the future will be okay, that your retirement will be all right, even if you put a little extra in the plate, or even if you do donate a little more to whatever good cause. God will teach you to put your hope and your security and your future in his hands. So it doesn't matter if you're a spender or a, or a saver. The act of generously giving will teach you to trust and rest in Christ. Uh, That's the second thing that giving does. Uh, The third thing that generously giving does for us is that it allows us to fulfill our command to love our neighbor. You all know we have that that second of greatest command, love your neighbor as yourself. The, The truth is when you give money, whether it's to a good cause or to this church, God doesn't need your money. (laughs) He doesn't need a new pair of shoes, right? He's not waiting around for a few extra bucks to buy a, a new car, uh, God doesn't need your money, but what he knows is that your neighbor does. He, he has put people in your life that, that need you, that rely on you, and, and when you give, you are fulfilling that command to love your neighbor. You are meeting their needs, and so I mentioned this in, in Bible study downstairs too, but, but often for myself when I give, which is not always easy, and I mentioned down there that for some of you, giving is easy. You do it joyfully, and you are an example and encouragement to the rest of us, for, but for many of us, giving is hard. And so what I try to do during those hard moments is to imagine the faces of of my neighbors, to remember that these are people that God is using me to care for. And so one of the the people that I have often thought of in the past is a man named Ferdinand Pulley. Uh, Some of you know Ferdinand. He was a a member of this congregation for years, and he's now with the Lord. But I, I would picture Ferdinand because it was a reminder to me that during his time here with you at church that your money went to him so, so that he could have a place to come and hear the gospel so that he could come and, and receive the forgiveness of sins and, and be reminded about all that God has done for him. I, I thought of Ferdinand when he was living across the way and he, and he couldn't come to church anymore 
Your money went to him, to that person, to that face, so that a a pastor like me could come and visit him and and bring him the Lord's Supper so that he could be pointed towards heaven, his soon-to-be home, so that one day when he did pass on that he would have a funeral here where his his family would, would be pointed towards the love and the life of Jesus. I think of people like him, but I also think of people like Paul. Uh, Paul is a member of the community, not a member of this church, uh, who a couple years ago lost his job. And I've gotten to know him over the, the past few months as he's come to us looking for help. He, he had a, a really nice job that was taken from him. And, and, and Paul is trying to make ends meet. He's working really hard. He's back working retail, which he hadn't done since his, his teenage years. And he's living out of his car so that he can save enough to have somewhere to, to live. And, and some of our money goes to, to that face, to that person, so that he can have a little bit of gas to fill his tank to, to warm himself on those cold winter nights. I, I think of people and faces that some of us have never met in, in places like Haiti or the Dominican Republic or California that, that we send our money across the world for those neighbors that God has called us to serve. So when we give, we are fulfilling that command to love our neighbors, real people in real places. All right, that's what we get when we give. That's what God is doing uh, for us. Uh, having said that, though, I know many of you are, are probably thinking a couple of things. Some of you maybe are overwhelmed. Uh, maybe you're still unhappy that you came to church this Sunday to hear uh, this message. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's nice, Pastor. I'd love to be more generous, but I do have bills to pay and kids to feed and, and times are really tight and I just don't think I can. And others of you maybe uh, are alternatively thinking, well, I just don't know where to start. I've never really created a budget. I, I haven't given much thought to giving, so I just don't know how this starts. And, and so that's why I'd like to share with you uh, the following tool. Uh, this is something called the, the generosity ladder, the giving ladder. There's one in your bulletin too if, if you can't see it up there. Uh, this, I want to preface by saying, is merely a tool, a diagnostic. It is not meant to judge or condemn. Uh, we're going to talk about the different rungs on the generosity ladder, but it's not as though the top rung is more holy than the bottom rung, and if you're somewhere in the middle, you're doing okay, but if you're at the bottom, you're an outcast. That's not what this is about. This is merely a tool for you to use to reflect on your own giving. And, and at the end, we'll talk about why I find this to be helpful. Uh, the, let's, let's go through it, though. The, the first rung on the generosity ladder is, is that of the first-time giver. So that's the person that, I don't know, maybe has come to church a few times, after a while thought, yeah, I kind of like what I see, so I'll give today. I'll, I'll chip in towards the cause. Now, God loves first-time givers. We love first-time givers. Praise be to him for people who have been moved to give in that way. Uh, But the next step up from that is the occasional giver. Those are the people who maybe have been coming to church a dozen times, maybe for years, and and they give when they're moved to, when the sermon is really good, or or when they have a little bit extra money, when they remember to bring the checkbook, or or think to go online and and make the donation. That's the occasional giver, and God loves occasional givers. He he loves them. We love occasional givers. Praise be to God for for occasional givers. The, The next step up, though, is the tithing giver. A tithing is a, a biblical idea that I think there's a lot of confusion around it, maybe a lot of misunderstandings. Tithing is, to put it simply, a biblical practice began in the Old Testament where God asked his people to give their first 10% to the Lord to, for the work of the church so that the gospel could go out, so that sacrifice could be made and forgiveness could be shared, comfort and love would be known. God says, give me your first 10% to do this important, holy, eternal work, and and then he's asking his people to live off of the rest of the 90% that he had given them. Now, to be sure, tithing takes a lot of faith and trust, right? And all of us aren't going to be there tomorrow. Um, But that's the biblical example that God has given us. And 
Uh, and, and yet, there, there, there are other levels to the ladder. And, and, and the truth is that um, tithing is, is not the floor, but the ceiling. And, and so we also have people like abundant givers who go above and beyond, uh, intentional givers who sit down and plan each and every month, here's how much I'll give and when I'll give it, and they've prayed about it, they've talked about it with their spouse. Uh, that's the generosity ladder. Now, I, I share this with you maybe so that you can consider how you might move up one step. Right, as we seek to be more generous like Jesus, as we try to gain his heart and his love for the world, as we meet the needs of our neighbor and, and put our faith in God to provide for what we need, my, my encouragement to you would maybe to, to, be, to consider how you might move up one step. Because here's what I know about ladders. Going from the first step to the top step is never a good idea. <laughs> right? You will end up on your back and in the hospital. But step by step, God is encouraging all of us to live and, and reflect a more generous life. Uh, and so that would be my prayer for you. And yet, as we, as we have this conversation, as you have this conversation, and I would encourage you to do so, to have this conversation with God in your prayers or with your family or your, or, or your spouse, as you think about this, I, I would like to leave you with this one thought. That the way to a, a more Christ-like financial future, whatever that might look like for you, the way there is not, first of all, through a calculator. It's not as though each of us can just sit down and, and crunch some numbers and, and set a budget and cut some expenses and then we'll be good. The, the way to a more Christ-like financial future for any of us does not begin with a calculator but with the cross. It begins by each of us taking all of, of those temptations that we have over money and laying them at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I, I can't deal with this, but I know you can. It, it takes us taking all of our worry there, right? All of the bills that are coming and the retirement that's, that's looming and the, the, the college expenses that are out there and taking all of that worry and all that stress and putting it at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I don't even know where to begin. It begins by taking all of that guilt we have from clicking by now on Amazon way too many times for, for all of our greediness and saying, Lord, I've gotten myself in a mess and I need your forgiveness and your grace. The way to a more Christ-like financial future begins at the cross as we gaze up at the beauty and the generosity, the overwhelming generosity of a God who gave everything for us. And it is only there, looking up at that cross, that we can begin to reflect that generosity to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.